and Spike Cohen. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Vanguard. For Spike, former governor of Massachusetts, Michael Duchachki. Cohen, I am Matt Wright, <laughs> and together we are traversing the muddied waters of freedom. I thought you were going to do Massachusetts, and you did. Oh, you went for good. the longer. Now you went for the longer punchline, and I appreciate that. Hey, folks! Thanks for tuning into this amazing episode of my of the muddied waters of freedom. That's the next. That's tomorrow night. Uh, the muddied waters night. of freedom. Uh, why is it special? Because you're here. This is a Muddy Waters Media production. Check us out on everywhere. All social media platforms, all podcasting platforms, everywhere, muddywatersmedia.com. Check us out all over the internet. Be sure to share this, like this, subscribe, comment, do all of the various algorithm-boosting things to make sure that everyone knows just how much you love me and Matt. And we're going to have another opportunity for you to show people how much you love us with money shortly but we're gonna get to that shortly we're gonna get to that shortly in the meantime like share subscribe comment 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 like share 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 comment like 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 subscribe subscribe and of course if it's on youtube be sure to hit the bell so your phone explodes with notifications every time we go live every time matt first and foremost allow me to thank the wonderful and fine people at me for the kava that i'm drinking today (laughs) You become so bitter. I'm paying for it, so it's me. I'd like to thank myself for yeah, no nobody's getting oh actually Casey Neth. Casey Neth, thank you. Casey Nethster Campbell the third. That's right. Casey Nethster Campbell the third. And I'd like to thank Leble for this delicious water that I pay for. So I guess maybe I should thank myself too. I don't know. Bulavanaka. Bulavanaka. I actually know the brand that this is, but I'm not thanking them because they won't give it to me for free. Well, that's fair. I should probably take the wrapper off this net from the future and say, this water, we have no idea who it's from. We this bottle that from. we've all come to know and love. This bottle that everyone already knows what it is, but it's my, it's my damn water that I bought with oh. my money that I work hard for. Now, speaking of great coincidence, we were going to have a festive show where we would auction off a really rare one-of-a-kind item and have fun with our followers and 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 fans and and friends here on muddy waters and then an entire country imploded and obviously we have to talk about that and it's a very serious thing so you're probably thinking there's no way to thread that needle between talking about a very very unfortunate tragic event and also having a festive auction at the same time there's no way that you can there's both no do way that would, together. You would there's, no even, way. there's no way you would attempt doing something so crass. Well, folks, great news. <laughs> We're going to be auctioning off this sweet-ass Waffle House Caucus um, tumbler here uh, that is made by Defy the Power. And uh, it is one of a kind. And why is it one of a kind? Because we've signed it. And also, it is protected with an epoxy coating... Uh, so that you can wash this 10,000 times, I'm told. 10,000 times. 10,000 times. 10,000 times. 10, you could wash this 5,000 miles, and then you could wash it 5,000 more. And it would still have our signatures on it, something, something at our door. 
the uh, design there will also stay on as well because of the epoxy coating that it is protected under. In fact, we don't even have this with us right now because it's receiving yet another epoxy coating, possibly enabling you to wash it 20,000 times. Uh, I, I don't know if that's true, but you can definitely wash it 10,000 times, which is, I mean, that's like 30 years of this thing. You could have it. And, uh, it's not dishwasher set friendly, although I have washed mine in the dishwasher and it was fine, but I'm not, you, you probably shouldn't. It's, it's you should glass, not do that. You should not do that, but it's really great. It's official Waffle House cock is Merck and, uh, or merch. Um, and, uh, the, <laughs> Merck? uh Merck, you get murked. Um, and so we're going to be doing an auction on it. And the way we've done our auctions is how we've always done them. We're going to start bidding now. And then we'll continue yep. having bidding. And we'll update regularly on who the highest bid is. And at the end of the show, we will declare the final highest bidder. And whoever the highest bidder is will receive this tumble. This tumble. <laughs> now, a couple of fun facts about this tumbler. It will keep drinks cold for up to 12 hours and it will keep yes. drinks hot for up to 10. Yes. And this is true. My, my super, super fan, Sarah Anderegg, uh, she has multiple from this company and it is true. It will do both of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is good. It, uh, cold for 10 hours, uh, hot for 12 hours and lukewarm in perpetuity, which is pretty, it's pretty solid. Unless you're indoors and it's cold or hot. This All is right, so uh, J- Go ahead. Jimmy Jimmy Lee bet, bid ten. Hicks bid fifteen. Quidgy Bozdad bid twenty-five over on the YouTube. Um so right now twenty-five. Sorry sorry, Facebook. I know you can't see those comments, but twenty twenty-five is the current bid over on YouTube going to Quidgy Bozdad. Thirty from Shannon Sh- 30 from Jay Adam Wiggs. Thank you, Jay. So the current high bid is $30. Uh, $30. We actually have, we have competing, but not 35 from Jay Adam Wiggs. So we're going to let you guys do the bidding uh, for a little bit. And then we're going to go to our sponsors so we can make money two different ways. This episode, of course, is brought to you by the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, the fastest growing caucus and second largest caucus in the Libertarian Party. And if you'd like to become a member of this incredible effort, uh, then go to the Facebook group Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus. Uh, and if you want to become an official voting member, you can go on over to muddywatersmedia.com slash store to buy a Waffle House Caucus shirt or a Waffle House Caucus button. Or if you are able to get this tumbler that we're auctioning off, that will also make you an official senior voting member. None of these things mean anything. We don't, we don't vote on anything. The Gravy King. Cumberland Cannabis, if you'd like some incredible CBD and Delta 8 products, the most viable, ethical, and effective CBD and Delta 8 products known to mankind, go to cumberlandcannabisco.com to get some Cumberland Cannabis from Cumberland County. Cumberlandcannabisco.com. Joe Soloski for governor. Joe Soloski is running to be the first libertarian governor ever. He's the key to Pennsylvania's success, and if you want to help him on his quest... Go to joesoloski.com. That's J-O-E-S-O-L-O-S-K-I.com. Jack Casey, alleged writer of supposed books, such as The Royal Green and In Silver Throned It. 
soon at any minute i'm told actually already he has also made another book crowned by gold which will come out already uh if you want to see what these books are about then you're a better person than me royalgreen.com i thought so right i mean i i i've heard this but i did not know if it was true book three oh it still says release date what a lie told me that was lying yeah and By the way, top bid the... right now, top top bid right now uh, from uh, the Eskimo Libertarian, uh, sixty nine sixty nine, nice, nice, nice. So if you go to theroyalgreen.com, you can find out if these books are any good because I'll never read them. Neither will Matt. Speaking of something Fair. that horrifies me somewhat, Adderpan. If you want to play a game that is guaranteed to induce psychosis and panic attacks and possible lifelong mental trauma go to steam and you can download adderpan for the low low price of five dollars and whatever it costs for you to get therapy for the rest of your life and, and possibly psychotropic medication and or ketamine uh i uh have done walkthrough gameplay of this game and my god why why kyle why five bucks on steam great Great game there, Adderpan. Lots of jump scares, or as I call them, existential crises. Fierce Luxury by Ashley won't give you an existential crisis because it's shopping therapy. Maybe that'll help you recover from playing Adderpan. Uh, FierceLuxuryByAshley.com. They are a high-end bag and accessory company based online, a consignment shop. Uh, They carry some of the finest products like Louis Vuitton and Coach and Hermes. 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 Uh, Hermes. uh, Hermes. If you choose to consign your Hermes with Ashley, uh, then she will do it at a 30% fee, which I am told by Ashley is 20% less than the typical cost for a consignment shop. Would Ashley uh, steer you wrong? No, of course not, because she's fierce and luxurious, just like her consignment shop. Fierce Luxury by Ashley.com or the Facebook group Fierce Luxury by Ashley. Ashley. And speaking of fierce luxury, Thomas Queter is running for state senate in the district, the 52nd district of New York. Thomas Queter runs better than Albany, which is a play on words because he's crippled in a wheelchair. Uh, But he is he's a great guy and he is one of the most energetic and incredible people I've ever met in my life. And he will laugh harder than anyone else at what I just said, which is what makes it both uncomfortable and funny and if you want to help this incredible gem of a human being become the next the first libertarian state senator in new york and the best state senator in new york then go to tom for 52.com that's t-o-m-f-o-r-5-2 dot com and if you want to take is the meme contest still going i think it, i think they have a new one every month oh okay go to uh tom for 52.com slash FTG for Frig the State. FTG. <laughs> Mudwater. The most appropriately named thing ever for this show. Uh, if you woke up today. Oh, no, we're not doing this yet. We got we to gotta do the. No, we got we to gotta wait. We got to do. We got to wait until. So how was your weekend? I had a great weekend. I didn't go anywhere. Oh, you. Neither did I. I. Uh, I didn't go anywhere. And so I the one thing I did this weekend was I did a uh a filming for a documentary um 
Divide and dominate. How the powerful steal more power. It's a uh, it's a documentary uh, about the liberty movement and its attempt to stop the powerful from dividing us. Uh, it primarily features Shane Hazel's run for governor, but I'm going to be in it too. And I got a shirt. Nice. Yeah. How was your weekend? My weekend was good. I went over to uh, Adam the Freeman's house, uh, hung out there. He and I talked. He, he and I talked some business and uh, some stuff, and uh, that way I got to write off the entire weekend. Um, yeah, it was good. Uh, hung out with, got to hang out with him. Hung out with Sarah. The kids are now back, so did the whole family yeah, thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, watched. Uh, watched some television, some movies, and just kind of relaxed all weekend. It was fantastic that's um, great uh we got a a, a comment uh from j adam weggs along with a uh, a donation thank you adam uh and it says an orange suitcase with travel stickers that means that's an emoji wow. that we don't see in ours mm. if it's something that's that makes powerful. zero sense it's uh i started a new uh, book I, no i was gonna say i mean we get a lot of comments that don't make sense so yeah that's fair um if it comes with money and it doesn't make sense that means it's an emoji oh that means uh, an emoji I, okay all right i i got a new book um i don't remember the name of that book wow well while you're trying to remember the name of the book quidgy buzzed asked when will the documentary be out so it's actually it's planned to be released October of next year, right before uh, the election, because it's covering uh, the uh, Shane Hazel campaign and other assorted Liberty Movement related things in orbit of the Shane Hazel run. I got a new book written by Derek Willis, written by Derek Willis, uh, who many of you out there may know. Uh, it's called The Liberty Solution, and uh, it's available over on Amazon. Uh, and the foreword was written by Walter Block, um, oh, wow. but it is it is a it, it it explains libertarianism to the lay person. Um, I got I, I'm only a couple of chapters in, but it is it really well written so far. Uh, I'm I'm into it. I like it. Uh, and if you guys want to pick it up. Uh, Derek Willis is the author. One and what's it R, called again? Uh, Liberty Solution. The Liberty Solution. Or sorry, Wills. Derek, Derek Wills. Oh, nice. Not Willis. I've been reading his name wrong for years now. And um, with a for, with yeah. a forward by Walter Block. Yeah. Yep. Great, great book. Awesome. Hundred bucks from Sheila Foster. Thank you. Yes, that's the new high bid is a hundred dollars from Sheila Foster. Thank you, Sheila. Um, and yeah, there's not a good way to segue into this subject because this isn't, yeah, uh, it's really just all, everything about this show is depressing when, um, after I finished the notes yesterday, I texted 
my co-host here. And I said, hey, are you ready for tomorrow's really fun show? Of, hey, you want to buy this Tumblr? Here's some really sad news. Hey, you want to buy this Tumblr? Here's some really sad news. Hey, yeah. you want to buy this Tumblr? Here's more sad news. So get ready for an episode like that. But it's going to be presented in the cheeriest way possible. Right. We're going to make it as fun as we possibly can. We're going to make the reality of this existence as fun and palatable for you, our lovely friends. BDSM guru just bid 120. Um, And I just put a link to the Derek Wills book in the comments. So everybody should be able to get that if you so choose. The, uh, The Adam was apparently able to figure out how to do super chats again. Um, the, uh, scientific libertarian has bid 20 smeckles, which I think $120 is more than that, but I don't know. I, I don't think a smeckle is worth $6. Um, oh, that's a good point. Jacob said, uh, Jacob Helzer said, Spike, if you want to cheer people up after the sad news, you can always talk about Liberty Memes $5 charity club. And that's true. If you go over to Liberty Memes $5 Char- charity club, join that Facebook group. There are all sorts of causes going on. All you have to do is pledge to give at least five bucks a month. It's something I'm a big part of. I love it. We do some incredible work. Most of the causes are for things that are, you know, few hundred dollars couple thousand dollars not insurmountable and we're able to complete multiple causes per day it's really incredible it will actually make you feel a lot better that's a great that is a great point jacob that that will definitely make you feel better um so we're gonna go right into now, this yes it is time now it is time for, for the mud water hold on for the yes for the mud water mushroom coffee replacement cacao rapid fire segment brought to you by mud water coffee alternative if you woke up this morning and said my god if i never have another cup of coffee again in my whole godforsaken life it'll be too soon well folks that's some great news i have for you because you can get something that looks and tastes similar to coffee but is better for you it has mushrooms in it. It has cacao. It has turmeric. All that stuff's good for you. And it has sea salt. Did you say it tastes thinking. similar to coffee? It's. I don't like how coffee tastes. So yes. Okay. Fair. You I know, guess. with enough honey, anything tastes similar to anything else that has a lot of honey in it. That's what I'll say. But it's good for you. It's got less caffeine than coffee, but just enough to wake you up. So if you like how hyper I am. And don't want to see me be more hyper than you would you would want this. Um, and also, it's it's good. It's neuroprotective, I'm sure. It's got mushrooms, not those kind of mushrooms, but it's good. MuddyWatersMedia.com/mud, and you can get your starter kit today, and be just as happy as this man's hand is holding that mud water. MuddyWatersMedia.com/mud. Matt. So. As we all know, the Delta variant is attempting to uh, end any fall season plans that we may have um, for anybody who is currently not in Florida, which is why people are pissed off at people in Florida. (laughs) Um, And because of this, (laughs) I I can do whatever I want. No, I know you're not Uh, wrong. You're not wrong. Um, and because of this, there's been some back and forth between the Biden administration and the governor, whose name is not Rick DeSantis, that I say often, but his name is Ron DeSantis. Um, 
Rick was the last guy. Um, and a reporter had this question for DeSantis having uh, to do with recent comments by Biden's White House. Mm, this was the DeSantis one or the COVID or the the um, or the Biden one. Biden DeSantis COVID. Ah, here we go. Hey there, this message is for Spike. How you doing? It's Amy G with your San Francisco Giants. And I guess your friend Matthew. Oh my God, Amy Gutierrez. Authority and someone. Wait, who is this? She's an announcer for the San Francisco Giants. Oh, for God. Go Giants. And I guess your friend Matthew considers me a baseball authority and someone who could critique people who throw out ceremonial first pitches and so he gave me some information about yours and I gotta say I'm a, I'm a little disappointed I mean I'm, I'm happy Spike that you didn't bounce the pitch because that's probably the worst thing you could do but Matthew said it had a really high arc and, no it didn't you know, that's near unacceptable so here's the thing I'm not great at roasting people I kind of believe everybody deserves a second chance so I'd really like you to go back and work on it Okay, work on it, and uh, let's try this, this again, uh, especially at a minor league game. You should be nailing this. So if you ever want to make it to the bigs with us, you got to, you know, you got to locate, kid. You got to locate. Can't bounce it, can't arc it, um, or you don't get to come back. So just, you know, take these, you know, words of advice from somebody who's watched about 8,000 ceremonial first pitches that um, you're, you're judged on it. It, it matters in life. It totally matters in life. Okay, Matthew, I hope that's what you wanted. And uh, yeah, Spike, Matthew. honestly, like, I'm just proud of you. It was actually Matt Hicks. It. it is not easy to throw out a first pitch. So um, I hear you, like, he's got a couple people that are, are ribbing you a little bit. So hopefully you have really thick skin. Um, apparently you're not very athletic either. So I'm, I'm sorry. What, you what is this? Jeans. Maybe you, you have other talents. <laughs> Maybe you're artistic or you know a good singer musician um maybe, maybe you're just a nice person and that would be plenty to get through in life but you know either go work on your pitch or just stay away from baseball all right spike go get him matthew thank you for thinking of me to do this go giants oh i'll show you guys the field really fast too because it's early here you go great great view of the park in san francisco there i'm gonna throw out a pitch there and i'm gonna break you could also use that pitching machine arm. did you see that that probably has better aim. All right, Spike, go get him. Good luck. Take care, guys. Go Giants. Hey, Spike. What's up, buddy? This is Doc Gooden, New York Mets. <laughs> thank you for being a Mets fan, and thank you for being a fan of mine. But are you serious what I just heard? You threw out a first pitch, and now you want to go pro? Are you fucking kidding me? Wow. Pro what? Pro a &M? Wow. Pro what? You want to be a pro bike rider? You can't be to my pitching. Is it that easy? I'll be still playing. Wait. Keep your keep your day job, buddy. All right? Keep your day job. <laughs> anyway, Matthew and myself want to say keep your day job. It's not going to happen. Sorry. I just got roasted by <laughs> Doc Gooden. By Doc Gooden. Are you <laughs> Wow. Yeah, you got roasted by Doc Gooden and I Aaron just got Gutierrez. By Doc Gooden. I don't. I don't know. By who Doc Gooden. 
I know Doc Gooden. I don't know Amy Gutierrez, but Amy. So Amy Gutierrez is the uh, she's the on-field reporter for the San Francisco Giants and has been for like fifteen oh, okay. years or something oh, like okay. that. Yeah. Um, she was but, nice to me. Yeah. Doc Gooden's like, what are you going to be a fucking pro biker? Like Jesus. <laughs> all right, thank you. If it was that easy, I thought you already said if it was that easy, I'd still be doing it. <laughs> so mad credit to mad credit to Matt Hicks for uh putting that together. Um <laughs> when he called me and he said, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. I said, Yeah, no, I like I, I I'm hundred percent on board with this plan. I think that this is something that needs to be done. And um I can't wait for That's funny. this to happen. No, that was funny. That was funny, Matt. Thank you, both Matts. Thank you, Matthew. That was fantastic, Matthew. Oh, man. Yeah, I am about to slap Matt Hicks with a hot dog. I actually saw Matt Hicks this weekend. Uh, we went out to uh, watch, uh, to, to listen to Soul Asylum. Soul Asylum. Runaway train, never yeah. going back. Wrong way on a one-way track. Yeah, three hours of that. Um, Feels and, like uh, I should be getting somewhere. And his voice sounds like that now. Like he sounds like I forget the guy's name, but he sounds like someone impersonating someone singing. So the sound. He sounds like he's impersonating himself. Yeah. Um. So yeah, no, thank you all for that. Um, so for those who uh, weren't able to hear the question that the reporter asked, uh, what uh, DeSantis thought about Biden's statement saying that if uh, school districts in Florida go against DeSantis's executive order on banning mask mandates for all school districts, uh, the Biden administration will pay their salaries. Uh, here's what uh, DeSantis had to say about that. So uh, our view is, of course, that, that we believe this is a decision for the parent. Uh, to make, just given the the uncertainty about what it means, particularly for a lot of the young kids to, to be in that. And um, I think that's where the vast majority uh, of the districts, I know we have, I think, two um, who, who are not uh, providing uh, the, the parents with the rights, but, but obviously we believe that the parent rather than the government should ultimately be able to make that decision. Um, I'm not sure that they have uh, the wherewithal. They're also talking about imposing a potential nationwide mass mandate on kindergartners, first graders, you know, who knows, regardless of what the parents uh, believe is in the best interest of their kids. And obviously, if you're talking about the federal government coming in and overruling parents in our communities, you know, that would be something that we would fight back vociferously against. Yes, ma'am. Governor, uh, Father in Pasco County held a visit. So, for any... You know, if DeSantis was as good... As he is with lockdowns or has been with lockdowns post the, the initial lockdown and mask mandates and stuff like that. If he was that good on everything else, I'd be happy. He's, but unfortunately he's not, but he is good on these at least. He, yeah, he is, he is. He is good on these. And so a lot of people, especially here in Florida as well, uh, a lot of people have been giving him crap and saying that, the federal government, uh, they're, they're agreeing. The federal government should not be the one saying whether or not the state can do this. Right. But they're also saying that the DeSantis and the state government should not be able to tell the local governments how to do this. Right. And 
I am generally in agreement with that. However, I do agree that it is the parent's decision on whether or not kids should have to wear masks and the local government should not be telling the kids to. Right. That should be up to the parents. So it's like in this one, I'm like, I don't like that he's telling the entire state to do this, but I agree with the fact that he's saying the parents need to make these decisions. Right. So in general, this kind of speaks to a greater libertarian discussion about what happens when a higher government tells a lower government to not infringe on someone's rights. And, and, and so this becomes that separation of powers versus the net, outcome for someone's liberty right yes it is a slippery slope for governments to be telling lower governments what they can and can't do at the same time if it is taking a higher government to tell a lower government no you can't infringe on their rights to do this that in and of itself is a net good for in the in terms of liberty and people's individual rights and freedoms um the question becomes is that power going to be used for things where they're now trying to make them impose restrictions on people. You know, if there were magically a way for the federal government to force not just themselves, but all state and local governments to respect all of our rights and liberties at all times, I wouldn't even care about federalism, right? But the reality is, in general, if you don't allow those decisions to be made as locally as possible, more often than not, it leads to a net increase in restrictions on our lives and rights and property. So... Yeah, pretty much where you are on it. Right. And I absolutely do not think that Biden should be able to essentially bribe the local school districts, not not even the local governments, just the local school districts yeah. uh, into saying um, and, and, and into complying with what Biden wants, right. um, saying, right. if you want to do this, go ahead. We'll pay your salaries. Yeah. Um uh, I I don't think that the federal government should be ar- allowed to do that work. I don't even think they are allowed to do that work around. There's no law allowing that. Where is this money coming from? Right. Where is this money coming from? Where would this money come from? And what, where is the, where is it allowed that you can do it? What, like, where's the precedent that you can do this? Right, exactly. Now, speaking of where the hell are we going to get the money for that, uh, included in the most recent infrastructure bill, infrastructure bill, gigantic corporate bailout bill, uh, corporate welfare bill. This one is so stupid. The only reason I put it in is because of how dumb this one is. So included in the infrastructure bill is a grant to help states set up privately operated toll roads and also forbid charging tolls to anyone making under four. What? Yep. Yep. So anybody making under $400,000 a year would not be allowed to pay tolls on any toll road that this grant gives money to. Yeah, you you heard that right. Can they tell them they can't use it or they have to let them use it, but not? I think they have to let them use it. Because inside the infrastructure bill, 
there is a passage that says any concessionaire doing business with a government that has accepted one of these grants would be forbidden from charging tolls or other user fees on anyone making $400,000 a year. That's a poison. That's a poison pill. That's a, that's so, so this is what's called a poison pill because no one's going to be able to find any, anyone and so basically what this is, it's saying we're going to give you money to allow you to be able to to uh, create grants to have private companies take over roads and charge a toll for the roads and bridges. But they can't they can't charge anyone who makes less than four hundred thousand dollars, which ensures that no one is going to take the opportunity to take over roads if they can't charge anyone under four hundred thousand dollars, because first of all, 90 plus percent of Americans don't make $400,000. And also, how the hell are they going to verify how much someone makes when they drive across their road? This has to have been a poison pill that was added to it to make sure it wasn't used. Otherwise, why would someone have made this? So I think that they set money aside. So that way they could tap into it later for something else. Oh, so for example, That's, hey, since no one wanted to take these private roads, we're going to pay teacher salaries who, or school board salaries who implement mask mandates. Right. Current bid on the tumbler is one sixty nine, um, one hundred and sixty nine ducus. Um, nice. But yeah, that that's my personal theory is they knew that no infrastructure company uh, would even think about t- picking this up because like spike said uh like spike said 92 percent or something like that of people in america don't make four hundred thousand dollars a year so Stupid. you wouldn't you'd only be able to charge eight percent of america to drive on the road and, and and then again how do you how do you quantify who makes it? whether someone is making like you got to turn in your tax return every time you, to, you, you go have to through. Bring them your ten forty every. Yeah, you got to bring them your ten forty every time. Uh, bootleg libertarian says, "Good thing I make three hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars." It's like, I, how would they, how would they know Jennifer Gates' salary passport? Oh gosh, that's that's gonna be a thing. That, yeah, that could be a thing, but right, yeah, right now there's no way for them to do this. There's no way for them to quantify how much somebody makes, and I honestly believe that this was put in so they would have this extra money that they'd be able to tap into for other things that we would find more reprehensible than this. Yeah, well, that and also being able to have that that talking point in the future. You know, we tried to set up for private road. They didn't want to do it. Well, yeah, because you made it impossible. I that's yep. that is weird. Alex Flores and, says, "Remember, uh, Bernie Sanders helped write this bill." That's that's true. and one of the re- one of the reasons is because Biden promised that he wouldn't raise taxes or fees on anybody making less than four hundred thousand. Now, uh, yes, he does. Yes, he will. He absolutely will, yeah. um, because even if he doesn't raise your taxes directly, he will be really. Yeah. Uh, oh. oh. Yeah, yeah Sheila Foster, two sixty nine, because uh, it doesn't really work with one, huh? Huh? <laughs> I mean, all right, Sheila. Depends on how flexible you are. I was going to say, I mean, uh, I, I've, 
That's just a zero, though, I feel like. Well, it's got the feet. Well, okay, so it's like a nine or... Well, yeah, it's going to be... It's, that's going to be a six a with the way that... It's a six Well, you're doing nine. that standing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so no, you're, you're doing like that six. Yeah, you're doing that sitting or lying down. So it's going to be much more like a six. My parents now watch this show. This is going to be <laughs> awkward. Um, so, hey, thanks for the bid so we don't have to talk about this anymore. Um, <laughs> so thank you. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, but be, because Biden said that he wouldn't raise taxes on 400,000, people making 400,000 or less or less than 400,000, uh, he's going to raise taxes on people making 400,000 or more, which means that the prices for everything that the people making under 400,000 is going to go up in order to help supplement the tax increase. Uh, and that's for corporations and that's for individuals. That's for everything. Yep. So prices are going to go up. So by raising the taxes on the wealthy or the corporations, mm -hmm. he is raising prices on the people who make less than $400,000 a year. So it is a, what do you, what kind of tax do you call that when they do that? It's regressive. It's regressive. Regressive all taxes tax. Are regressive. Yeah. All taxes in, at their core are regressive because even if you're targeting the rich, they just pass it along to the stuff that the poor, that everyone's buying, which means that the higher a proportion of your income is being spent on buying stuff, consuming stuff, instead of investing and things like that, the higher your de facto tax rate is. Even if you're not paying it directly, you're paying the overhead that, that it was added to. So you're, you're going to get screwed either way. All taxation is a system of those with the least being robbed, usually to give to those with the most, and you get a few crumbs back to make you feel like you got something. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Now, speaking of... So another bad news... Another terrible news. Uh, Remington, the gunmaker, has offered to pay a settlement of $33 million to the families of Sandy Hook. Matt? The nine families that are suing uh, Remington Arms are discussing the proposal with their lawyer, um, said the lead attorney representing the families, Joshua Koskoff. Uh, Koskoff called the offer grossly inadequate but declined further comment. Uh, each of the nine families would receive roughly $3.7 million. So my question. Yep. Can we sue Ford for car accidents? Well, no. And even if not car accidents, for someone getting in the car and intentionally hurting someone. So like suing Ford for road rage incidents or like you said, you know, Budweiser for drunk drivers or, drunk driving. you know, LeBlue for if I bash someone's head in with this bottle. Because, I mean, LeBlue is, is still choosing to use these really thick, like the old school 90s water bottle design. That's accessory to a crime. I, I, the whole yeah. thing is absurd. Like it, it. So I've been asked before, you know, do you think the government should ban lawsuits against um against uh, uh um against gun companies no um because then you end up going down the path where even if the gun company does something negligent with the gun or something like that now they're protected just like the pharmaceutical industry is protected uh for liability from their products same thing um so that's not good to do that 
what needs to happen is the people who file claims against companies who engaged in neither negligence nor malfeasant behavior should be punished deeply for it. And the attorneys should lose their bar cards and not be able to practice anymore. Like there needs to be some serious punishment of these kinds of absurd lawsuits, yeah. which are really an attempt uh, to use the uh, the uh, legal system to create a legislative goal. So, you know, they figure if they can bankrupt all the gun makers, then, you know, there won't be any guns uh, or at least any legally produced guns. And so that'll that'll be the the, you know, their way of doing gun control. Um, it's just the whole thing is absurd. It's also another reason why we should all be 3D printing our own guns. But that's a whole other subject. Yeah, no, this is nonsense. This is utter nonsense. It's a, it's absolute nonsense. And it it won't des- it won't destroy Remington, but it's going to hurt them, and it's going to hurt them bad because now that they've paid, other people will see that they can try the same thing, and they'll try it with other gun companies, and it's going. This this has the potential to be very bad for American-made guns, which means only guns made outside guns. of the U.S. Yep are going to be available for purchase. And if they go through with any of their bans on foreign made weapons, this is, this is the catalyst. This is, this is the, the, the beginning of them getting rid of guns, which we're going to get into that a little bit later. Yeah, no, this is uh, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about what happens when you get rid of guns, uh, when you disarm people. Um, it, it's just absurd. And, uh, like a uh, bootleg, uh, libertarian says Remington's already broke. They're trying to sell off their business. So this is that last, you know, that last hit to them. Um, and meanwhile, no love lost between me and the, the gun manufacturers. I mean, they, they've been some of the main people pushing for restrictions on, on restrictions and regulations on gun ownership in order to limit the market of those who are able to actually produce guns and sell them. So, you know, it, yeah, I guess what's good for the goose is good for the gander. But all of these things result in us having fewer options, us having less freedom, and also creating this narrative that the gun is the problem and not the murderer who use the gun why when you know when we it's weird one weird thing when the when a police officer you know kills someone in a you know in a in a unjustified way shoots someone and kills them we never ever hear anyone say oh the gun we need gun control for police officers we heard people either try to justify it or people saying it's wrong and there needs to be reforms on on police but why aren't the gun why are we talking about disarming the police or 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 you know restricting their limits of their kind of the kind of guns that they can have that never comes up why is that because it's I mean, not about so in guns. all fairness it's not about safety in all it's fairness about- it, it came up a little bit last year it it came up a little bit right. last year with the defund the police movement and the militarization of police and like that kind of that was a massive talking point for us last summer militarization Um, yeah but not like take their sidearm like take their pistol well unless you count defund the police and not having them anymore counting as take their pistol but like we and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago um i don't remember what story we were talking about that led into this but uh in both new jersey and new york they were doing gun control laws and uh they ended up changing the laws to let either off-duty police or retired police continue to carry guns mm-hmm. uh, while the regular, the, the peons, the people who weren't uh, part of the police force 
couldn't carry one. Um, and these are these are the things where it's like, okay, what if these people shot somebody? You know, just shot somebody. Would you be talking about getting rid of guns for the police then? No, you wouldn't yeah. because yeah. you need that for your protection or whatever. And right. th- the fact of the matter is you need guns for your protection. You don't really need the police. If everybody had guns, there would be a lot less crime. Um, there'd be a lot less crime and there'd be a lot less dependence. So gun control is the belief that uh, your life needs to be protected with a gun, but not from you, but from some uninterested third party who you have to call and hope that they get there in time to protect you. And interestingly enough, the people who often believe in this are also the ones who are the most likely to say that cops are racist and abusive and should be curtailed uh, and, and possibly defunded. And it and it's like, well, which which is this? Like, it, it, at some right. point, we have to acknowledge that uh, if and, and I mean, we tend to agree that you know the police are out of hand and need to be brought under heel, and that there needs to be serious reforms in the way that they do business, and and that the yeah. you know the practices need to change, and they need to be held accountable for their bad actions, and end qualified immunity, and end civil asset forfeiture, and, and the militarization, and so forth. But also let people own guns so they can protect themselves. We we don't believe in this utopian nonsense that you know absent the police, there's not going to be crime anymore, right? Like absent absent so many disarmed people there won't be as much crime anymore right exactly so speaking of it's time for the chris reynolds personal injury attorney chris (laughs) reynolds attorney at law anchor call-in moment where you can go to anchor.fm slash muddied waters and leave us messages uh, throughout the week, and we will play them and answer any questions you have right here, right now, every Tuesday, friend the Muddy Waters of Freedom during the personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, anchor call-in moment. You can also, when you go to anchor.fm slash Waters, you can also press the donate money button and donate money to us. Because that would, that's, and you don't have to donate money for us to listen to your question, but we will love you more. We will love you more. That is true. Travis Pace bid two seventy five on the tumbler. Current bid on the tumbler two seventy five. Current. I'm gonna put that in current high. Bid. Um. Okay. I'll stop typing. Yeah. Yeah. No. Two seventy five. Okay. Also, by the way, real quick, this is brought to you by Spike Cohen, who's coming to Ohio this weekend to Columbus, Ohio, for the Libertarian Party of Ohio's 2021 conference. I'm also going to be doing. Uh, a, uh, a uh, I think a rally with uh, Accountability Now Ohio to end qualified immunity in Ohio, and I'll also be doing us an escape room. My wife and I will be doing escape rooms, uh, and I will be posting that information on my social media. Uh, and then on Tuesday, join me uh, on was that August twenty fourth at the uh, in Montgomery. We're doing the rally for uh, justice. Uh, where we are pushing for the um, the restrictions that are being placed on the Libertarian Party of Alabama um, to be removed, so that they are able to compete and be on the ballot, just like all of the uh, just like the Republicans and Democrats are. And uh, so I'll be there in Ohio and then in Alabama. So here is the first the first. Here we go. First one is from Midwest Guy. 
He's Junior, watching on Spike Twitch. And Matt, this is Midwest Guy. It's my first time calling in to your show. Uh, I'm, you know, super excited. I, I really love that you guys, uh, you do this whole calling thing, okay? It's, it's really, really, it's awesome, okay? And um, so, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'm a big fan, okay? I've been, I've been listening to the show for uh, oh, about a year, I think, or maybe even more. I'm not sure, but uh, for, for a little while now. And, uh, yeah, so... Uh, you guys do a great job, and uh, this is my favorite show. Actually, I, I even uh, I, I got my wife to move our date night from Tuesday nights over to Thursday nights, so that way we can do that way I can listen to the show live from now on. And so I'm I'm super pumped to be doing that soon. Uh, hopefully, hopefully maybe even uh, this this question I'm about to ask you will be on th that very first show. Wouldn't that be awesome? Uh-oh, it's counting down on me. Oh, no. Sorry, I took too long. <laughs> this this feels... Is is this a real accent? This feels like... Oh, no. I, I can't. So, he is actually watching on Twitch right now. Okay. Uh, um, I, I had that question when I listened to some of these earlier today. But he has a good question, so I stopped okay. caring. No, it's listen. If you want to call and, and yeah. however you talk, I'm fine with that. Okay, I'm back. It's Midwest guy here, and I got a question for the two of you. Okay, uh, my question here is okay. So me and me and my buddies, we were out. Uh, we were out throwing back some brewskis, right? And uh, we were talking about our business model, and and my buddy, he was saying that he wants to kind of he wants to structure our business like a uh, like a democratic like a like a worker co-op, like a democratic workplace, and. Um, I'm a, I'm I'm a pretty new to the whole like libertarian thing and the, the anarchist thing. I never even heard of these before. My buddy was telling me about them, but it sounds like a pretty cool kind of deal. And so I was just wondering what you guys think about them. What are worker co-ops? What's what's your kind of you know the general feel around them? And uh, you know are they good? Are they bad? I I don't know. I've never even heard of these things. So uh, yeah, just hoping to hear from you guys and uh, to the audience. Hello, thank you for uh, tolerating my my two minute long question here and. Um, you know, uh, oh shoot, it's counting down again. Okay, I gotta go. Thank you so. I don't know if that's a real accent. I don't know. If it's hey, really uh, do I, you want to give your Do you want to give your thoughts on uh, democratically run yeah, so, co-ops? So co-ops, um, I've I know a couple of co-ops, and I've seen a couple of different ways that co-ops are run. Either uh, everybody who goes there has to buy a membership, and you are now part owner of that store. Um, but you get massive discounts because of it, sort of Costco-y, but not Costco-y, like you're not going to get the big bulk items. Um, or that everybody that works there is technically an owner and they all make decisions democratically together and vote on everything. Um, I have seen some of these things work so smoothly. Uh, there is a bar. There was a bar. I don't know if it's still open um, in Philadelphia uh, that I don't remember the name of. That was a co-op and everybody that worked there was part owner. Um, they opened every day at four o'clock. They everybody, you know, came in on their scheduled times and it ran great. And it was a fun, dimly lit, dark bar. And uh, it was it, it was great. I loved it. Um I have seen them not run great because everybody thought they were an owner and just didn't show up. So really, if you, I am not going to say that running a co-op is a terrible idea. Right. It really depends on who you have working with you on whether or not it is a good idea. 
if you don't think that you would be able to hire people that would be responsible and wouldn't look at it as this is a way for me to make money and I can go out and do other things as opposed to this is where I work and I need to build this. So everybody makes more money. If you think you can find those people, you go ahead and do it. However, I personally would muddied waters. Media is not a co-op. I'll say that. I mean, technically we started as a co-op because there were only two of us, but the, uh, (laughs) it was a a co-op in that we co-owned it, but yeah. So, um, pretty much what Matt said, um, in order for a democratically run co-op of, of worker owners to be able to work, I think that they have to have shared values, shared goals, shared expectations and there has to be some kind of accountability structure um i have been involved in a lot of different startups both consulting and actually being a part of them and the ones that worked best were ones where there was a clear hierarchy a leader or leaders and the people that were in you know some level of management if needed i mean some of the smaller ones didn't even need that and whoever worked for them The ones that didn't work as well were the ones where they tried creating these boards so that everyone had an equal say and they didn't already make sure before setting this structure up that they had the same goals, the same values, the same whatever. They just, we're going to get rich. We're going to make a lot of money doing this. We're going to have a great time doing this. And then they, when it was time to make decisions on a day-to-day basis, it got caught down in in quagmires and negotiations and a bunch of crap that on on things that were sometimes incredibly trivial but because everyone had to decide on these things uh it became an issue i think there also needs to be a certain amount of autonomy granted to the people in the different parts of that organization so you know for example if you're in the marketing department you shouldn't have to bring every single thing to the you know the board or the co-op or whatever it's called to make that decision. You should have a certain level of autonomy to be able to make a decision in that because they hired you or you have been brought in as a part owner to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, if people want to do it, I think that they should be able to, and I think it should work well. And I think the restrictions that are in the um, um, in the tax code that make it prohibitively expensive to run co-ops in a lot of businesses, those need to be gotten rid of. You should be able to structure your company however you want to. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I also don't know what kind of business you're planning on starting here. So that also could make a difference on. Yeah. Yeah. Service industry seems to work fairly well. Again, if everyone's on the same page with how they're going to do it. Um, that that depends. That also depends on the size of the restaurant. Oh, and that's another thing. If this thing is huge, it's probably not going to work well. It's not um, going to work. Know, you know, even these large companies that are mandated by law to have these boards and stuff like that, it's still being decided by an executive and and an, and an executive team. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's if you want one of the reasons why government moves at a snail's pace is because every decision is democratized um and that actually leads to the uh the uh totalitarian impulse to just take over and do stuff which makes things worse um but the it's yeah it's it's make sure it's small and, and 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 not and able to get out of its own way make sure everyone's on the same page with their values their their goals their objectives Make sure that there's a level of accountability built in and 
um, and also make sure that there's some autonomy granted to the people in, in the different sectors or sections or departments right. of this company. And now we have a few from Matthew Hicks. Well, hello there, Guy on left and Spike. This is Matt Hicks calling on the personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney of law, anchor Colin moment, TM. I just have one question for you, Spikel. And uh, this question you've already heard today, but I'm going to ask again anyway. Are you fucking kidding me? Bro, what? Ah! <laughs> Hashtag laser legend. Oh. Doc Gooden. Doc Gooden. Doc Gooden roasted me. I love that these people have no idea who I am and were just straight up because they were paid on Cameo to do it. They're like, hey, fuck you and your ball throwing. Spike? What's this? Spike? Yeah, Spike. Fuck you, Spike. Have a great day. Thanks, Matthew. All right. Uh, here's the next one from Matthew Hicks. Hey, guy on left and Spike. This is Matt Hicks calling in on the personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds. Attorney of law anchor call in moment. Tia. So I guess the big thing in the news is Afghanistan, right? Like the, the country fell within a matter of months of the U.S. leaving and everybody's acting all surprised. And I'm a little surprised, too. I'm frankly a little surprised that it took this long. I mean, it was my experience in Afghanistan that if you got to chase some Taliban dudes up the side of a mountain, he's wearing flip-flops and dust in your ass while you're running behind him trying to catch him. Right. Um, so I'm really kind of surprised that it took this long. Um, I can't really speak for you guys, but that's where I weigh in on this. Anyway, I just wanted to get that out there. Um, yeah, hashtag you got to locate, kid. Um, I, I threw the ball well. It's still here. Look, look, I threw the ball well. It went, it got to the pitcher. Boom. Look at that. It didn't have this ridiculous arc. Look, let me go back to this thing here. Look, look, look. It, it didn't have an arc. Look, look, I didn't look see at it didn't where have that ball arc. is. I didn't say it didn't have an arc, but people are making it sound like I threw it like underhand or something. Like it, it, I threw it and it got to the catcher and then he it, didn't it, even catch it. That's because he didn't think I was going to make it. Um, but that, you know what? Then he shouldn't be playing semi-pro baseball. That's what I feel like to say about that. Look, boom, boom. Didn't, it didn't. I said from the beginning, I'm not throwing a heater down the middle. I am a nearly 40 year old. Yeah, guy but then MS. as soon as soon as you did it, yes, you made a post, yes, and you called it a heater down the middle. I mean, it's like a, it's my heater down the middle, graded <laughs> which on a wasn't curve the middle that, or or a heater. This is graded on a curve. This is essentially. A hundred mile an hour fastball. Boom. Right there. <laughs> graded on a curve. Yes. Graded on a curve. Okay. Let's see Nolan Ryan. Well, he, I guess he was 40. Let's see Nolan Ryan get MS. <laughs> 42 let's, when he was throwing. Let's give Nolan Ryan no hitters. MS relapses and then have him throw a couple balls out there. That, by the way, this has nothing to do with me having MS. I'm just not athletic. But let's see Nolan Ryan suck at baseball and throw 
this gem right here. This is the crowning achievement of my athletic career right here. By Boom. I'm happy. I'm happy with it. Whatever. I don't care. All right. Here we go. Uh, Afghanistan, we're going to be talking more about that. We're going to be uh, talking about it later. So. The entire segment. But uh, for those listening to what Matt just had to say, uh, Matt Hicks, he served in Afghanistan and Iraq uh, in combat. Uh, he knows what he's talking about. And, and he told me that. He said, the first time I saw someone, you know, carrying heavy, you know, heavy, uh, small arms and, you know, running up uh, a hill in sandals and, and beating us, I knew we were screwed. Um, and it is what it is. Like, home field advantage, determination to win, you know, not being scared to die, wanting to kick out the foreign occupier. Vietnam, Afghanistan, to some extent Korea, this is how it goes. Like, it's just, this is how it goes. So here's the, here's the last one from Matthew Laser Legend Hicks. Holy shit, guys. I just figured it out. Oh, sorry. This is Matt Hicks calling in on the personal injury attorney. Chris Reynolds, attorney of law, anchor calling moment. TM. Holy shit, guys. I just figured it out. This whole Afghanistan thing, Biden orchestrated all of it to draw attention away from Cuomo. That's what's going on here. It's a big prestige, man. Look the other way while some shit happens. Oh, I, ooh, these crafty politicians, man. Anyway, hashtag laser legend. Sure. That's a little Alex Jonesy. I was going to say that that was, that's sure. I, I mean, I am not gonna say you're wrong because what's that meme going around right now conspiracy theories are now called spoilers um like sure why not why not uh adam wegg says i'm now 100 percent convinced this is fact this is the problem is i mean and i don't know that he's wrong i mean put it this way it would not be the dumbest thing government has done uh, Adam also earlier said my diesel Jetta is a Lamborghini when graded on a curve. Good for you. That's good. I'm happy for you because again, I'm happy with this. I'm happy with what I did. And I don't, I don't, you know, people are, Oh, blah, blah, blah. Look, boom. By the way, it was me. And then they had some kids come up and, and throw some pitches, uh, before, uh, before the game, like some kids. Are you going to say you did better than kids? from an orphanage and they and like they all bounced it all the orphans bounced their their balls there was only one person that got up there and threw it and it got to the even the pitcher bounced a couple of them they weren't a good team i pitched a shutout whatever um anyway uh so here's the last one from James M. Ray. Hi, Spike and guy on left. This is James M. Ray calling in on the personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, anchor call-in moment line. I think I got that right. Anyway, I'm calling to get, ask for help with messaging, because even though I'm a huge fan of energy from thorium and molten salt reactors, I now have to advocate... The light water reactors I've called obsolete 
because Turkey Point has permission to build two more of them, and, well, FPL does, and we need this to happen for the good of the South Florida community. So I would like some help at the Mike Termite event and before that, getting people to understand that even obsolete reactors, well, outdated reactors, are a good thing, and we need them. So thanks for your help, and have a great day. Sure. So the message on this is easy, James. Nuclear power, nuclear energy is so much better than the alternatives. It is so much cleaner, so much safer, so much cheaper, so much more carbon neutral, uh, so much more plentiful and stable that even the old out of date, obsolete forms of nuclear energy production like light water reactors are still head and shoulders above anything else that is currently available out there. So if that's so incredible, imagine how great a thorium uh, 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 molten reactor would be compared to a, a light water reactor. There, there's your thing there. It's like saying, hey, yeah, you know what? Uh, the automobile is so incredibly advanced that even a, you know, what was it? The 1960 whatever Pinto that kept exploding, that uh, even that is still exponentially safer and more efficient and and you know easier to use than a you know horse and carriage from the you know 1800s or something like that so it's the same thing here you know it's so much it's so head and shoulders above everything else that even the the older crappy versions are still better than than what's available which is why we need to have deregulation in that sector and allow more innovation uh so that we can get the newer forms of nuclear energy which are even safer and cleaner and more plentiful and more uh more stable and more carbon neutral and everything else so so yes uh sheila foster just bid three hundred dollars three hundred dollars for the tumbler uh, 300 is the current high bid for the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus Tumblr, autographed by yours truly and his truly. And for those just tuning in, this is the Tumblr here. We don't have it right now because they're applying yet another po- epoxy coating. This thing, when fully epoxy coated, you'll be able to wash it 10,000 times and still everything stays on it because it's being heavily epoxy coated. Uh, this is a beautiful uh, Tumblr that is signed by both me and Matt. It is an official Waffle House Caucus merchandise made by uh, Defy the Power, making you an official senior voting member of the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus. Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus. (laughs) Um, And so you, uh, I was just trying to find the thing. Um, Gotcha. And so, yes, top bid is $300 as of right now. Uh, we will be tallying up at the end, and whoever has the top bid will be the winner of this tumbler once they give us the money. Um, so, yes. Um, yes. Let's see. Here. And also, so, half half of these proceeds go to Defy the Power, who make these tumblers. Uh, fantastic people over there. Yes. They uh, do really good work. Um, so, I recommend you check them out on Facebook. Yep. Defy the Power. And this tumbler. Oh, not this tumbler, sorry. This tumbler uh is uh <laughs> this tumbler is uh I just saw the T. Um this uh tumbler uh twenty ounces and uh will keep a cold drink cold for twelve hours and a hot drink hot for ten hours. High quality stuff here. Uh and beautiful craftsmanship. Beautiful, beautiful craftsmanship. Um all right, cool. So 
we're going to talk about the thing that we have to talk about because it it's the it's because we have to that's happening yeah we we have to and it is insane and it underscores everything we've been saying about u.s foreign policy since before muddy waters media even started in 2016 which is that imperialism is bad it's harmful it accomplishes no goals that we were told it was supposed to accomplish and ultimately it just leads to lives lost on all sides and the only people who benefit are central bankers and the crony corporations that make up the military industrial complex now let's have a quick flashback to roughly three weeks ago when joe biden said this is a taliban takeover of afghanistan now inevitable no it is not because you have the Afghan troops have 300,000. Ju- I just want to go back. That that was deterrent. Taliban takeover of Afghanistan now inevitable? No. No. Nope. Why? Nope. It is not. Because you have the Afghan troops have 300,000. Wow. Well equipped, as well equipped as any army in the world mm. and an air force against something like 75,000 Taliban. It is not inevitable. So what he didn't tell you there is that, first of all, it wasn't 300,000. It was more like 200,000. The other thing he didn't tell you was that they were already quitting. They were already abandoning their posts. Many of them, it turns out, we're going to find out soon enough, I'm sure. Many of them were already Taliban. They were just collecting a U.S. taxpayer funded check every week or every two weeks or whenever they got paid and we're just waiting to officially hand the keys over to the taliban when it was time to, to do that one thing to note there was no real fighting this wasn't some epic week-long battle there were some skirmishes but for the most part the taliban literally just walked into town or just appeared in town because they were already there and said we're in charge here Right. So that's what happened. So I'm totally going to plagiarize this guy that ran for office. But uh, the corporate media's reporting on Afghanistan and COVID are at their core. Nope. Are at their core identical. <laughs> Something terrible is happening. And it's all because you wouldn't listen to us and give us more money and power. Why? Who said that? That's brilliant. That's. I, I have no idea. That person of whatever gender i have no idea who wrote that um (laughs) spike wrote that for anybody who didn't pick up on that joke um 80 80 billion dollars people 80 billion dollars that is how much the u.s has spent on training the afghanistan army since the inception of this war Factored in for inflation, you're looking at about a hundred billion. Hundred billion. Let's even say eighty billion. Eighty billion dollars, and they lasted eight days. In fact, they didn't even last eight days. It just took that long for the Taliban to travel to all the different parts of the country. So it really took a matter of hours. They were literally already crumbling before, like the troops. We haven't left Afghanistan yet. There's still, what, like 5,000, 6,000 troops there and active duty personnel and non-essential personnel and contractors and so forth. 
the withdrawal's not even complete yet. And the Taliban has literally already taken over the country and is just patiently waiting for the U.S. to leave. Yep. Now, to put $80 billion into... Uh, to give it some sort of concept for you, uh -huh. the uh -huh. current GDP of Afghanistan, the current, according to Google, literally right now for 2019... Is nineteen point two nine billion. Wow. Most of that's heroin. Um, but I was going to say that's that's almost all heroin and child trafficking. Yep, nineteen point two nine billion is their current GDP. We spent eighty billion in the last twenty years on training their military. And that's nothing compared to the number of lives lost in, from this never-ending war or the over $2 trillion that we spent on the war itself. Wow. Let's just do a quick number here. The Afghans, Afghanistan's entire economy is worth roughly... 1% of the pre-adjusted for inflation amount that the US that the US government, the US taxpayer has spent in Afghanistan over 2 trillion dollars, actually less than 1%. And it gets worse than that because if you factor in the cost because this wasn't paid for in, in tax money that already existed, most of it was run up in debt and will be <clears throat> excuse me will be uh, paid Pleasure. off in, in thank you with interest once that's factored in the payments will be pretty much through 2050 that's 2050 almost 30 years from now and the total cost at that point will have been 6.5 trillion dollars afghanistan's entire economy right now is worth roughly a not even a third third of a percent a third of a percent of what the u.s taxpayer is on the hook for that country and it, the money is not anything compared to the 2300 american service members who died there over two generations the what uh, th uh, almost 4,3800 contractors that died there the roughly 300,000 Afghans the majority of whom were civilians that died there all for what right now I think you skipped over the one joke I put in there um that's all of that Yes. All of that on a war that is now so old that Kevin Spacey wouldn't try to assault it. Wow. Um, now, the one, that's the one joke you get in all of this. Yeah. Right. In all of this, it's the one, it, it's the only one that I thought mattered. Um, now, 2,300 American service members were killed in this war and 3,800 co contractors. And we are not going to crap on the military. We're not going to no, talk God, no. about you know, no, 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 no. I have many friends who were in Afghanistan. 
many friends that spent time over there and not all of them came back the person that they were when they left to go there um matt hicks i didn't know him before he went there but uh he is a person who was there uh he just said that i feel comfortable saying that because he just said that in his calling um i've got many other friends that have been there and i have seen their ptsd that they suffer uh 22 or 23 vets kill themselves every single day every day yep and many of them served in this war yep. in this war that we spent two trillion six trillion by the time we finished paying it off 80 billion of it uh used to um train the afghan military and in like a day in like a day the Taliban came in and took over. And I know that many of them are sitting there at home. I know one in particular. Um, I'm certain many others are, but I know one in particular that is sitting at home wondering what the hell was all of this for? Why did my friends, why did I watch my friends die? Why did my friends die? Why do I hate 4th of July now? Um, all of that because of what they experienced over there, what we spent so much money of taxpayer money on. So much money for what? people's lives. For what? For what? Yeah. None of this makes sense if looked through the prism of this was done to stop terrorism or to protect the American people. So we know that Mullah Omar, who was in charge of Afghanistan, he was the the head of the Taliban when uh, 9-11 happened, he described bin Laden as a chicken bone stuck in his throat. He could neither swallow it nor spit it out. And he wanted to get rid of bin Laden as much as humanly possible. And at that point, bin Laden had uh, a couple dozen uh, uh, fighters with him with al-Qaeda, and uh, in Afghanistan and, and, you know, a few dozen more scattered across the, the planet. Um, Al-Qaeda had not had the recruitment opportunity of ramping up by having the military attack uh, multiple sovereign countries. And when the U.S. government demanded, right after 9-11, demanded that the Taliban hand over bin Laden, Mullah Omar's opening response was to say, if you present us with evidence that he was behind 9-11 or or involved in 9-11, then we would be happy to hand him off to a third-party Muslim country to be tried and punished. That was the opening offer, and that was a face-saving offer. That was, I'm not going to completely capitulate to you, you know, to save face among the Muslim community who who will say that I'm giving in to the uh, imperialist devils or whatever, but that's my opening offer. If our counteroffer had been, we'll present you all the evidence in the world, but we want him, and he will go through a trial that is in keeping with international standards and blah, 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 but we want him, more than likely, the Taliban would have been more than likely, and and would have easily been able to find bin Laden, round him up, either kill him or hand him over to the U.S. government for trial. This was never about that. In fact, uh, in December of 2001, when uh, when it was known in the in the Tora Bora offensive that uh, bin Laden had escaped to Pakistan, 
uh, we never once threatened Pakistan the same way and said, you know, you need to hand bin Laden over or we'll invade you. In fact, uh, George Bush in a, an interview uh, in uh, the end of 2001, beginning of 2002, said this is much bigger than bin Laden. Bin Laden might be dead or he might be hiding, cowering somewhere in ta Afghanistan or Pakistan. But this isn't about bin Laden. This is about the global Islamic terrorism. Well, no, it was supposed to be about bin Laden. It certainly hasn't made us more safe. There's more terrorism than ever before. Uh, there are more terror recruitment opportunities than ever before. The CIA is arming more terrorists than ever before. It has nothing to do with that. In fact, this was a massive CIA handoff, State Department handoff, and a Pentagon handoff of weapons uh, to the Taliban, who will no doubt be uh, uh, giving at least some of this to terror groups that hate us. So it certainly wasn't done for that. None of this makes sense until you look through it to the prism of how could we possibly maximize the profits for Federal Reserve central bankers and crony corporations tied to the military industrial complex? How could we possibly generate as much revenue for those companies as possible? This is how you do that through these long, constant, slogging, doomed to fail efforts that never end and only end in 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 embarrassing defeat the way that this one has then it makes sense this had nothing to do with protecting us so as we've all seen i'm certain all of us have seen this by now uh we have a very intelligent and well-informed audience um the taliban took over afghanistan uh this weekend and there's a lot of critics out there neocons who are saying that we withdrew too early and the logically consistent people uh they see a country where the years money and lives wasted training an army that either had no inclination to protect its country or lacked the ability to do so yep yep it depends on which one you it depends on which way you see it it's either they didn't care to do it or they were unable to do it um either way it yep. appears it appears as though they just were like no i'm out like i'm not doing this um I think, and you may disagree with me, but I think that what is happening now would have happened whenever we polled everybody or pretty much everybody. Part, yeah. 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 And it does not matter who would have been president at that time. At all. If, as soon as we did it, this was going to happen. Yeah. And so the the finger blaming that you're seeing like the the republicans are doing it real bad right now and they're saying yeah oh yeah biden did this too early biden shouldn't have done it but trump was the one who did this plan he made this deal he made this deal biden just kind of followed up like he extended it but he still followed up on the deal that trump made so blaming the other party makes absolutely no sense here both parties got the afghans in this mess Trump released the main, arguably the leader of the Taliban, but at least at the very least, the main spokesman of the Taliban, who immediately became the main negotiator and arguably the leader, at least one of the leaders of the Taliban. And you know what? That wasn't the wrong choice to make. The, the only wrong choices here were that the date that was agreed to wasn't stuck to. Because I think the reason we're seeing what we're seeing now is the Taliban wasn't going to wait till the 9-11 pullout date, final pullout date to see what happens. They're like, yeah, you know what? We're just going to go ahead and take over now. Like, we're just going to go ahead and take over. And if that creates instability, great. That just makes sure that they won't stick around. Um, I think if it, May came and went 
and there was no fighting for quite some time because they were waiting to see, are you guys going to leave like you said you would? You're now saying September, but are you going to leave like you said you would? I think if, if the U.S. government had committed to the May date and fast-tracked visa applications for any allies in Afghanistan, the interpreters and the helpers and their families, so that they can escape because almost all of them are going to die now um, Actually, for helping the U.S. Go ahead. So I heard, I, I heard a fantastic plan earlier today uh, okay. that would have absolutely worked. Would have absolutely okay. worked. Uh, so right now, you would need 17 flights a day carrying like 2,000 people. Right. To get everybody out of there that's seeking asylum mm -hmm. um, for like 10 days or something like that. I can't remember right, right. the exact numbers. Um, Canada's offered 20,000 uh, visas to 20,000. Uh, but Guam, the, the leader of Guam, I don't know if they have a president or not. He said, if you guys can get them all here, they can stay here and you can work on their visas and they can stay here, no issues. They can just come and stay here and you have time to process all of their visas. But now you're stuck in a situation where you have so many people who are stuck over there and they can't really leave because they're having trouble getting everybody out. And we, yeah, I'm certain no, that no. everybody, I'm certain yeah, everybody no. saw the footage of the, I, I, think we're going to talk about this later but i'm going to say it yeah. now too uh the footage yesterday of the c-17 taking off and people were hanging on to the outside of the c-17 and then you see them falling off as the plane is taking off and it was heartbreaking and it was devastating and you had you have this happening when you knew that you were going to be leaving you should have been processing all of these and you can sit there as a neocon or a neo as a war hawk, warmonger, neo progressive, whatever you, whatever side you're on that thinks we should be staying there, and say, well, over the last five years, the United States has only lost uh, less than 25 people per year um, over there. So it kind of makes sense to save the lives of all of the Afghanistan people um, and to stop the spread of terror throughout the world, uh, except. That yes, the U.S. lost uh, 18 people in 2019, 22 the year before that, 10 the year before that. Yeah, it seems like yeah, it's stable. But last year, the Afghanistan people lost more lives than they had in 20 years. Yeah, 20 years. It's not. Also, they weren't attacking the U.S. because of negotiations. They right. were going right, and they were they were going after the Afghanistan people, the Afghans yep. uh, that were, uh, that were helping. And yep. it was not a stable condition. This was, as Biden said, it's not, this was inevitable. Yep. Yep. It, it was inevitable to happen. And the Guam idea is great or fast track them and, and, and let them come in. I mean, we're talking 80,000 people, which on the scale of things in, in a country of 330 million, it's a, it's a drop of a drop of a drop. It, it would not change anything in any way, in any real semantics or uh, um, even measurable way. Um, and it would be immeasurably helpful to them who would be able to survive this. Um, it, it's just, a, it's, it is, so I think doing those two things, fast tracking the applications and sticking to the May date, it wouldn't be as ridiculous as it is right now, but this was going to happen. The Taliban was going to take over. 
I it was obvious the Taliban was just waiting for the U.S. to leave, and at and at this point was like, actually, we're not waiting for you to leave. We're gonna just take over now, so you can stick around as long as you want. Um, and you'll notice they're not attacking the U.S. So all the people saying we got to stick around, they're murderers. They want to kill us. They're not attacking us right now. They're not attacking the U.S. military right now, because that would be stupid. They're just waiting for the U.S. military to leave. The the people saying we need to stay in because we've invested so much money and so much time and so many lives. Uh, I understand that thinking that's called the sunk cost fallacy. So this is a term that's used in investing. The sunk cost fallacy, uh, is first of all, sunk cost is the money that you have already put into something that you cannot get back. It is already in there. You cannot liquidate any of it. It's gone. You're not getting it back. The sunk cost fallacy is when someone looks at how much cost they've sunk, how much money and, and time and resources and investment they have put into this investment and concluded that they cannot afford to let all that go. So they got to invest more and stay through to the long haul. In other words, they're looking at the sunk cost that they'll never get back. And they're not looking at the perspective cost, the money that they will continue to pay out if they don't cut their ties and, and, back and get out of this investment. It explains why so many, why most people don't invest well, because they get emotionally invested. They say, oh, I put all this money into this. I'm sticking around for the long haul and they end up losing everything. It also explains anyone that thinks that we should stay in Afghanistan. It is clear that this was a failed effort from the beginning. It wasn't even the real effort that was done. Again, the leadership that brought us there didn't want to win, didn't want to get bin Laden, didn't want to stop terrorism. They wanted to make money for cronies and bankers. That's why we're there. And mission accomplished. They're super rich and at everyone else's expense. Also, this whole thing about only 2,300 American service members have been killed by this war. Over there, you don't get 22 veterans killing themselves a day in peacetime. You get that from the exponentially larger number of Americans who came home from Afghanistan and Iraq and other places who didn't come home in the flag-draped casket, but they did come home with PTSD, traumatic brain injuries, uh, chronic health issues, chronic pain issues, uh, 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 mental health issues related to the atrocities that they've seen over there, and then being subjected to the worst form of health care in this country. We talk about how the Afghans, how the Afghan people that were our allies have been abandoned. That's true. We've also abandoned our veterans. So if we're going to talk about the investment that we have and how we have to see it through to the long run, good. Go help the veterans. If you want to talk about a lifetime investment that needs to be th seen through to the end, talk about the people who signed up and swore an oath to protect and defend the Constitution and the American people against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and who were sent overseas by our domestic enemies to fight and kill and die on behalf of drug cartels and child traffickers and central bankers and dictators and foreign terrorist groups and, and the military-industrial complex. Taking care of them. There's your investment. Go take care of that. So Biden and Trump uh, themselves have been throwing shots at each other, um, blaming each other. Biden, according to Trump, Biden uh, ran out of Afghanistan instead of following the plan our administration left for him. <laughs> this is complete failure through weakness, incompetence, and total strategic in incoherence. Your plan was to leave earlier. Yeah. I, I don't know what, what other parts of the plan there were, but... <laughs> Uh, Biden said it was Trump leaving the Taliban in the strongest position militarily since 2001 that was responsible for the current events. That's more accurate. That, 
like if you have to blame either one of those, that's actually more accurate. I mean, ultimately, they've been in an incredibly and increasingly strong position for quite some time. But yeah, Trump like called their leadership go and oh gosh. Yeah, released five thousand of their prisoners for one thousand Afghan uh, uh, military. It's not the military that peace guards or whatever. I don't remember what they call yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Um, for in exchange for 1000 uh, Afghan military members. And one of them is the guy who is now basically the head or the president of the Taliban. Right. Right. Or at least, so it's, it's disputed. He's like the, because they're not, there isn't a very, very clear hierarchy. The question always becomes, is it the, the main political spokesperson who's the leader or is it the religious leader? Who's the leader? And Mullah Omar was both. Um, and since then, it's always been some kind of power sharing. So right now it's between uh, the Mullah uh, 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 Ghani guy that was let go by Trump and this other guy whose name I'm not even going to try to pronounce, um, who right. is the um, who's the religious leader. Most many consider that guy to be the religious leader. But it real I mean, they, they're kind of oddly enough, they're kind of decentralized at the, at the top at the leadership. There's often not a single leader except for Mullah Omar. So right now you're seeing you're seeing it all over Facebook, you're seeing it all over Twitter, social media, you're seeing it in the news. Um, you've got the left blaming the right and the right blaming the left, and they are yep. just throwing at each other and quoting these two quotes, um, saying if they if you would have followed Trump's plan, this wouldn't have happened, or if Trump was still in office, this wouldn't have happened, or uh, he left him uh, he left him in the strongest position militarily since 2001, but. Edward Snowden may have said it best when he said, if you think this is a Biden versus Trump thing, you re you are really missing the scale of this two decade tragedy. Yep. And. Yep. He is, uh, as per usual with him, he is 100 percent correct. Yep. 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 Th this is this was going I remember being a neo. It's funny. I, I actually I said this to Matt Kibbe. It's so weird, like how things come full circle. Matt Kibbe was one of the people, you know, telling me through you know free his Freedom Works emails back in like the early two thousands that this was ridiculous and that it was doomed to failure. And I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. I agree with you on literally everything else, but not this. Um, and uh, and he would say, you know, that this this imperial foreign policy, domestic spying, all, all that's not going to help. And um, then obviously talking with my friends who started coming home from these wars and realizing that it was a bunch of garbage we were being told of what was going on over there. But the, I, I was talking to Matt Kibbe on Twitter, and I, I remembered that my dad said when we first invaded um, Afghanistan, he said eventually um, – I forget how he worded it exactly. He said they're going to go in, and that's going to go fine. Uh, but eventually they're going to stick around way too long. They're going to fail at every single one of their goals – they're going to leave and they're going to abandon all of their allies there like we did. He, he was in Vietnam, like like we did to the Montagnards when, when we left Vietnam. And if that isn't exactly what happened, and it wasn't, I mean, I love my father, but it's not like he's some uh, 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 renowned political state. This was just, this is what was going to happen. And... This was what was going to happen, and it was it, it was sealed the moment that the Afghan president Mohammed Ashraf Ghani fled the country. Yep. 
that was the moment that there was no question that this was over. Yep. Kabul, Kabul did not, it did not fall. It was surrendered. This was not a, this was not a battle. This was, they walked in and just took it. You're seeing all over the news and in the media that um, the government toppled or uh, the government toppled or you have uh, people saying that they came in and guns blazing and like just murdered a bunch of people. Um, the but they're saying that they're didn't... just kind of like they're 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 letting you infer exist. that from what they're saying. There wasn't a government. If something crumbles the very second an outside entity isn't actively propping it up, this was a weekend at Bernie's government. Like the minute that the U.S. is like, no, we're not doing this anymore. In fact, they were even so, still propping it up, but just not as much. It just completely crumbled. The, the the Everyone abandoned their posts, or almost everyone. The president left the country. Like there was no government. It was all a bunch of garbage. So their government that they had been building for 20 years, so sorry, that we have been building for 20 years, right. um, their government in the last election, which was 2019, I believe, there's roughly 38 million people living in Afghanistan. 1.8 million, I think 1.8, I don't have this in the notes, 1.8 million people decided to vote. And that's because they had such trust and faith in their elected leaders. But that 1%, not even uh, that, what, uh, 3%-ish of the, gov- of the people decided to vote in the election. This was a weak government that was just fraught just fraught with scandals and with corruption and they had no faith in them understandably so absolutely understandably so justifiably so, so the yeah. Mo- just yeah justifiably so so that the moment that somebody walked in a weak government that is no longer going to be able to get the sweet sweet american taxpayer money said okay i'm out and left Yep, yep. And in its stead now is the Taliban, which is a group of warlords who subjugate people under their rule, which is completely different than government because it's. So uh, Spike Cohen had to say about the uh, Spike Cohen, he was the uh, 2020 Libertarian uh, vice presidential candidate, if you recall, came in third. Uh, Spike Cohen uh, said this about the uh, the what happened with the uh, what's going on with the with the, the people that helped in Afghanistan helped the, the U.S. war effort. Uh, had the U.S. government actually cared about the lives of the thousands of people who helped them, they would have fast tracked their visas so they could oh, so they could come here. They didn't. Remember that when you see government and corporate media pretend to lament their faith. All this stuff you're seeing now, all these poor, meet Ashram. Ashram was an interpreter for the military, and now he can't get out, and they keep denying his visa. What a terrible, terrible thing that's happening over there. If the government and corporate media had cared, because the corporate media is an extension, it's the the, 
uh, the narrative and propaganda wing of the U.S. government and, and has been for years, certainly post 9-11. If they gave a damn about any of this, then they would have fast-tracked those visa applications. They'd all be here or in Guam or at a freaking, you know, shell one of Joe Biden's kitty camps on the border or whatever. They'd have been over here somewhere or in U.S. Yep. territory being processed or already have been processed. They didn't give a damn about them any more than they gave a damn about all the troops coming home with PTSD and traumatic brain. They don't care about anyone. Uh, so as totalitarian governments are known to do, uh, the Taliban took zero time in collecting the guns from the people. Um, because as we all know, governments are terrorist organizations, but I repeat myself, will protect you if you give up your weapons. Yes, this is, I'm going to look up the quote. Cause I actually, I, I had tweeted about this as well. I said, you know, give us your guns. You have nothing to fear. It's for your safety. Swear, Every swear government that's ever, you know, I know. Every government that, you, you relied heavily on my Twitter feed for this segment, and I'm fine with that. I did. Um, I did. That, uh, what, where, where did I put that? Um, and you pay for the first, blah, blah, blah. Man, I've, I've posted a lot. Yeah, so here's the quote from the, uh, the Taliban official. We understand people kept weapons for personal safety. They can now feel safe. We are not here to harm innocent civilians. That is, if it wasn't the words of someone who whose organization was about to murder possibly millions, certainly hundreds of thousands of people, it would be pretty solid comedy. Like that is, that is them thumbing the nose at the neoliberal uh, establishment that controls the Western yeah. world and media. It's like, oh yeah, well you know that disarming the population has nothing to do with hurting innocent civilians. It's for their safety. We're gonna keep them safe, and then the media has to go. Wait a minute. I think this government might be disarming civilians so they can hurt them, not for their safety. Not for safety. And the and, Taliban and if anybody... goes, the Taliban's like, no, it's for their safety. What are you talking about? You, we don't. It's a buyback program, really. And if anybody needs evidence that uh, this is going to end terribly, um, you can look back on hundreds of years of history. Um, Native Americans to the freed slaves to the Jews in Germany, really almost everywhere. Everyone. Everywhere. Every time. The Great Leap <laughs> Forward, the Khmer Rouge, uh, the slaughter of the Montagnards post-Vietnam uh, uh, War. Um, yep. All of the various uh, attempted uprisings during the Soviet era. Even before firearms, uh, they used to disarm peasants of sharp tools and implements that they could use to rise up against uh, that the serfs could use to rise up against the royalty and aristocracy whenever there were times of unrest they'd say for your safety we're going to take all your pointy stuff like i mean this is this is what they do and it's always done with hey this is for your safety oh it's not no it's not just because they've gotten better at propagandizing that to us doesn't change the actual effort politicians the one thing that keeps politicians in check is the fact that they have an acute awareness of the fact that they, too, are soft bodies that can catch lead like literally everyone else. The less they feel that acute awareness of that, the more likely they are to infringe on our lives, rights, and property all the way up to rounding us up and killing us. And, and that's what that's all about. I want to do some quick math real well. 
I'm not going to do it. My phone's going to do it. <laughs> Some quick, quick math. Divided by 125,642,790. So for every U.S. taxpayer, because there's 125,642, or sorry, 125,642,791 U.S. income taxpayers. Okay. For every U.S. taxpayer, this war has cost $15,918. Are you doing that based on the $2 trillion number or the... the... That's just the $2 trillion. That's not the six. That's the $2 trillion. You so can triple you that number. Yeah. That number becomes like 60000 or 50-something thousand. Uh, forty, yeah, forty nine thousand yeah. ish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Just yeah, I I just I was wondering. I needed to know at that minute for no reason. Um, so we talked about it earlier, but people are so desperate to leave that they were hanging on to the side of a C seventeen. I didn't want to show that video because I yeah. don't yeah. want this video to be taken off of YouTube, and we've had that issue before when we showed somebody perish um right at the hands of a cop um but you can find it on youtube there's it, it is out there oh, and everywhere. you can watch there yeah and you can watch this if you have not seen it it is heartbreaking to watch that people are so desperate to leave they're so desperate to leave afghanistan that they are hanging on to the side of an airplane that is going to be traveling roughly 200 miles an hour at an altitude of 10,000 feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're willing to take that chance over staying. Yeah. That, the, the, the logic in that shows you how desperate they are to leave. And it is one of the, like when I first saw it, I was, I was gut wrenchingly upset because not be like you guys have watched us many times and there have been many people who have passed away that we have talked about. And I have watched all of those videos and some of them hit me hard and some of them, you know, I'm just like, yep, saw that one coming, you know, whatever. Um, that hit me so hard because that is how bad they needed to leave their country. That is how bad they needed to leave their homeland. That is how bad that they needed to leave because the people that they thought were going to protect them left and they knew that they were assuredly going to die, that they were willing to take that chance. And yep. it hurts to watch. Yep. It hurts to watch yep. knowing that they, that some of them hit houses when they landed makes it extra sad um, because you've now destroyed somebody's, house that lives there but no matter what it is hard to watch and it is gut-wrenching and it is heartbreaking yeah and and i i saw some people commenting on it they're like wow they're so stupid they didn't realize that plane was going to go really fast and really high they've watched airplanes going in and out of the country they have a concept of what's about to happen i think the calculus there which is clearly a very desperate calculus is I have little to no chance to actually surviving this. But 
if that's the case, then at least I'll die relatively quickly, having tried to get out. Um, whereas, yeah. and, and, and on the off chance I'd actually be, which you can't, like, let's be clear, it is impossible to successfully hold on to the side of an airplane that's going hundreds of miles an hour, t- tens of thousands of feet in the air. Like, it, that doesn't, that's not a thing. Um, this isn't the movies. You can't do that. You might last a couple minutes, not these several hours the thing is going to be in the, in the air. Um, the alternative to them was staying there and, and likely dying. And if you look at those videos, almost all of them were men of military age. This was your vaunted Afghan army trying to get out. How'd they get on the base? This was the Afghan army trying to leave. They were that desperate to get out. And then that really drives home just how desperate this entire situation were. The, 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 that 300,000 that Joe Biden said that are the armed, the best arms that can, they wanted out. Everyone that did not want to live under Taliban rule wanted out bad they still want out bad you know uh, this is 20-year investment by the u.s taxpayer uh uh, thousands lost to the u.s military thousands more that are continuing to suffer under trauma um hope held by millions of afghanistans in basically one day all of that went up you have six thousand dead americans uh thousands uh, millions of, of afghanistan have died at this point right I thought it was 128,000. Well, I know there was a 200 and something thousand figure, but I thought that was just for the last couple of years. But or, hundreds yeah, I, I, I could not find an accurate number. So I just said thousands upon thousands because I didn't think it hit the millions. Yeah. Yeah. Quarter of a million displaced last year. Um, it, it's just, it's insane. Right. And to quote the David O. Russell movie, Three Kings, George Clooney says in his first appearance, I don't even know what we did here yep. because I don't know what we did there. Yeah. Like I said, I, the only prism that looking through it makes sense is how do you maximize profits for central bankers and the military industrial complex? Then it makes sense. Then this ridiculous, right. as Scott Horton pull it, put it, fool's errand makes sense. It's not a fool's errand. It's a, it's a rope-a-dope to, to extract money from the taxpayer and keep us scared. And however many people had so, to die in the process, screw them. So a lot of people are out there and they're asking, uh, whose fault is Afghanistan? That Where do we start? is a very difficult question to answer. Um, but I could say that it's been 80-ish years, 90-ish years. Wow, 90-ish years. 90-ish years of American presidents um, because we have used a muscular liberalism policy on foreign policy starting with FDR, and it really hasn't changed since. Um, Basically, every president since then has either emboldened the military by giving them more money or they've held it status quo, saying, you know, we don't need to expand. We don't need to spend more on the military. In fact, I'm going to cut the military, but they never do. Um, and because of this, they are required to have reasons to continue needing this money to, to be able to say, Hey, I need this funding. Uh, you have to pass this. This is for our military. Um, so long conflicts made sense. If you were looking to pump billions or trillions into defense budgets. Yep. It's a jobs program, jobs and money program. Yep. Um, and then, of course, as we all know, this was bolstered by the 
War on Terror, uh, which as an aside, I don't know if everybody has seen this. I wish I had gotten the um, the picture for it, but uh, anyone who is reluctant to COVID regulations is now considered a potential terrorist, um, which gives carte blanche to the different administrations to unlock more spending, to push their agendas uh, while without increasing the military budget. So they can say, I didn't increase the military budget, but I need to tap into this emergency spending in order to help pay for this military thing. This is this has been a long running thing. This has been a long running thing, and every person who has been in charge for it ninety ish years, long before this war started, helped cultivate this foreign policy. Um, allowed for a meltdown of this magnitude to happen, and all of them have this on their hands. All of them. Yep. Yeah. It, so if you go back uh to like historically i would actually argue and kenneth evil mentioned this as well it actually probably the the foreign imperialism probably started with teddy roosevelt uh the spanish-american war concentration camps in the philippines uh taking over uh and doing the the panama canal uh funding it without any congressional approval and then right. saying well i i did it so i could get it i figured i'd get permission or, or i'd get forgiveness more easily than permission afterwards um, right. Uh, uh, you know, they would spend months debating me and not instead of debating whether we should do this. Yeah. Deba debating whether whether it was right to do it as opposed to whether we should do it. Um, right. The then there was the break. Right. So you had uh, uh, Taft after Roosevelt, who kind of went back to a more standard actually back then considered conservative, uh, you know, way of saying, no, we shouldn't be getting involved in foreign wars. Then you had Woodrow Wilson, who World War One, which we had no business getting into and which is still one of the most high body counts that the U.S. has ever had for something that literally did not involve us even remotely at no point. There was no, no threat to us whatsoever. Uh, and then you had a return to Warren G. Harding and Calvin Coolidge and Hoover, who had a more typical U.S. foreign policy. And then, yeah, pretty much from Roosevelt, from FDR forward, every president so, has either expanded upon the military-industrial complex or at least maintained the status quo, like Carter or Nixon. Right. So, I guess what Ford, I was going to Carter. Right. So what? I, so what I was going to say, like, yeah, I agree with you on Teddy Roosevelt. Um, he was the one that got us into the foreign skirmishes, but he wasn't bolstering liberally bolstering the uh military at that time he just sent the military he didn't like expand it in order to do yeah, it yeah, yeah. um so he just sent people to do it and it wasn't like he was like okay let's get more get more troops and do this but the fdr started that that's what i was referring to in this the expansion what, of the actual complex the expansion of the actual complex that that was what i was referring to and i think that more of this starts Yes, a lot of it starts, the mindset starts with T Teddy Roosevelt and going over there. Um, yeah. But the, the, the goal to continually expand and then need reasons to have the expansion starts with FDR. Yeah, yeah, that's, that is fair and that's true. Um, it's interesting 
the, and I, I maybe it's because our uh, our uh, audience is so well informed, but we often hear, you know, Eisenhower tried to stop this and tried to warn us. Well, no, after he left office or once he was leaving office, he warned about a military industrial complex that he had no problem using for eight years. In fact, right. one of his uh, crowning achievements as president was Operation Ajax, which arguably kicked off the Middle East conflicts uh, by uh, using having the CIA lead a coup against the democratically elected leader of uh, Iran, who had just deposed their brutal Shah. Um, they reinstalled the Shah, who went back to brutalizing the people that had deposed him, uh, was an absolutely brutal ruler. And, uh, and as a result, the revolution happened in Iran. Um, and because of continued uh, aggravation of the revolutionaries, because you remember, uh, we, we remember, you know, that there was this revolution, students revolution in Iran, and then they immediately took the hostages in the US. That's not true. That happened months later. It was because of constant aggravation and instigation against the revolutionaries to try to to try to frustrate them and bring back the, the the Shah. But that all started with Operation Ajax under Eisenhower. Eisenhower also did Operation, I'm forgetting what it was called, but in Central America uh, to uh, depose leaders uh, by introducing blights and coups and all sorts of other things to depose leaders that he felt like weren't sufficiently pro-U.S. Um, so he was just as bad as arguably one of the worst, uh, especially since right. he then turned around and said, we got to worry about this uh, this uh, military industrial complex is like, yeah, it's a great term, but you did it. Um, the, this is, and I was, I, I was going to say, uh, this is also the fault of nearly a hundred years of Congress saying yes to anything that the, whoever's in charge at that yeah. time puts in front of them and says, Hey, I need funding for this. I know it's not in our budget, but I need funding for it. So can you give me emergency funding? A hundred years of this, which technically can fall on the voter um, because we continue to vote these people <laughs> in. Um, probably not well, many of the people here watching us. And for 20 years, literally writing a blank check, a, a, a authoriza AUMF, authorization of use of military force that said that the president, not just even President Bush, Whoever's president can declare war whenever they want with no sunset against whomever they want as long as it's to fight terrorism. And guess who voted for that? Ron Paul. But, you know, guess Everybody. who else voted for that? Joe Biden. And yes, Ron Paul voted for it, but he also said that he he also then continued to vote against every authorization after that. He was in favor of, of a temporary authorization. In retrospect, it was probably one of his biggest failings. He's not perfect, but I like to mention the fact that he voted for it. But anyway, uh, uh, Joe Biden voted for it, and Joe Biden supported this war and has supported this war from day one. Uh, and then in, in a rare based Biden moment, in the last couple days was like, hey, look, if they're not willing to defend their country, then we're not going to keep staying in there. And I'm like, yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think you've been wrong literally every day up until this literally point. Literally every but other time. Like, like every moment, uh, including that ridiculous uh, uh, clip that we showed earlier where Biden said, oh, no, they're going to be fine. Uh, they got 300,000 it's, it's strong. And it's, it's not inevitable. It's not inevitable. Um, Come on, Jack. The bunny's so, in the plaster cast. So this can't like what's happening in Afghanistan cannot be blamed on Biden and it can't be blamed on Trump. And to their credit, both of them wanted to pull out. Yeah. 
restaurant so he could avoid the child support. Um, both of them also, wanted to pull. People don't know this, but he also bribed the Taliban to say that he never met with them. That's not true. <laughs> um, but yeah, to both their credit, they wanted they wanted to pull they wanted to pull the troops out, and yeah. you know. And, you know, it, I believe that the reason that Biden got so based over the last couple of days was because it failed miserably and he didn't want to admit it was a failure. Um, but you know what? So, Fine. Fine. If that's what it took for that man to say there was no need to continue this, it was stupid, we're leaving, let us learn a lesson from it, then I'll take it. If that's right. what it took, then I'll take that. Them, them pulling uh, us, the United States, pulling out of Afghanistan is not a bad move. It no, is not no. a bad move. What happened is not a result of us pulling out. It was an inevitable scenario that cost the U.S. taxpayers $2 trillion and thousands of lives uh, to hold it off for two decades. Thankfully, the bankers and the military industrial complex made off like bandits, which was the whole point of all this. And the lesson here is so stop. the Taliban army, man. The Taliban oh, this army was the got biggest, so many weapons. If this was a game of Call of Duty, then, I mean. Uh, uh, they picked up the biggest cash. This like, is the biggest possible. drop ever. Yeah. The Pentagon is basically like a terrible player that just constantly ammo drops. Um, it, it's. I, I. But again. It makes sense if you want endless, unwinnable skirmishes that justify the constant patronage of crony corporations built around the cottage industry of endless war. It's a gigantic, murderous, cynical, sociopathic boondoggle. And again, we, we, we focus on the sunk cost, those who have died, those who have, you know, the, the money that's been wasted, people that have suffered. We're not looking at the potential cost. We're not looking at what has been done to Afghanistan and what it could have been if we didn't do this. Imagine if after 9-11, the U.S. government had gone to the Taliban and said, here is our evidence that bin Laden did this. Which, by the way, that's how extradition works. Do you know why it took so long for the Spanish government to finally agree to hand over John McAfee to the U.S. government? Because there was an extradition process. Evidence has to be presented. Uh, you know, a legal warrant has to be presented. If there's any kind of discrepancies in how punishment is doled out between the countries, they work that out. Or, or unless they have some kind of existing treaty over such a thing. It doesn't happen overnight. If, the tal if, if, if in that the U.S. government had said, listen, well, first of all, if the U.S. government had left the Middle East, there wouldn't have been a 9-11, but that's a whole other subject. Let's say that George Bush inherits this right now, right? You know, he's, he's, he's president, doesn't have time to pull out of the Middle East, 9-11 happens, and he goes, okay, we're going to go to the Taliban and say, we are going to give you evidence that bin Laden did this, and you are going to hand him over to us where he will receive a fair and open trial according to already agreed to international standards. And then he will not receive the death. That was going to be one of their things. You know, uh, actually, no, they don't care about that. This isn't Europe. They wouldn't care if he got the death penalty. So, uh, you know, and that's that's what will happen. He will receive punishment according to that. If we and in exchange, we'll have a, a trade deal with you. We'll have, you know, some kind of, you know. Uh, you got any bridges that need to be rebuilt? And I, I mean, again, I'm a libertarian. I'm not about spending taxpayer money, but we could have spent like a couple hundred million and, you know, made their day 
and it, it would be pennies, fractions of fractions of fractions of fractions of fractions of a penny what we ended up spending instead. You know, you could have yeah. spent a couple hundred million bucks on, you know, building some roads and bridges and, you know, uh, putting up a statue to whatever and, uh, and, and make – well, no, they're fundamentalist Muslims. They don't like statues. But putting up stuff that they need – and, 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 you know, maybe some State Department school program or something, a couple hundred million bucks thrown at them, they'd be thrilled. And now imagine how much better Afghanistan would be. All the lives that weren't lost. Imagine how much better the U.S. would be off. No Afghan war, no Iraq war. Bin Laden is brought to justice almost immediately. Within, within a year of 9-11, he and his cohorts are put on trial for their crimes and, 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 and executed or put in prison forever. No Guantanamo Bay, no endless spying programs, no trillions of dollars wasted, no thousands of Americans' lives wasted and thousands more irreparably damaged, permanently damaged. Hundred, millions, tens of millions of people across the planet murdered. None of that. No empowering of Al-Qaeda. No creation of ISIS. No Arab Spring. None of that. That's what Tim our song needs to be. Tim Wysong in the comments just said, if only they had cared as much about bringing Osama bin Laden to justice in 2001 as they cared about bringing McAfee to justice in 2021. And yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. And now, thanks to all the powers that you all, uh, uh, or not you all, that most voters approved of the government getting, that's now going to get used against vaccine hesitant people, people that don't like the lockdowns, people that you know think that ivermectin is a good treatment for COVID. Which I don't even know if ivermectin is a good treatment for COVID, but you should be able to think that. You should be allowed to think that thing, whether or not it's true. And the fact that the government's saying you're not allowed to think that kind of makes me think it probably is true. Or at the least, right. or at least, people or at people least. are out there saying that they think that the earth is flat and that crystals cure cancer. Um, and they're exactly. still on YouTube. And they're still on YouTube. So, Here, you know, uh, speaking about COVID, I have, I have a couple times mentioned the fact that there are studies in, in multiple countries that show that if your vitamin D levels are at or above the optimal level, your likelihood of ending up in a hospital drops exponentially. It drops to like 95% lower than if your vitamin D levels are too low. And that's adjusted for age. That's adjusted for comorbidities. That's adjusted for body mass index. However, whatever you are otherwise, if your vitamin D levels are good, then you are very unlikely to die from this thing. Vitamin D is cheap and generic and has basically no side effects. You now, can also get it if, for free. Yeah. Just go outside. You can just go outside. Which makes everyone stay inside sound even worse. That's mm-hmm. a whole other subject. But the point of all that is the fact that when I tell people that, they go, you have to be careful telling people that. And I say, why? Because it's not true. And they go, well, no, but you know what they're doing. That is some frightening shit. And the apparatus that is being used to censor and spy on and block people has its roots in the Patriot Act and every other anti-terrorism act moving forward from there. That's why they're no longer saying terrorists. Now they're saying domestic extremist because it's extreme to say lockdowns are bad. It's extreme to say that, you know, the, the vaccine vaccines aren't the cure all that they're claiming that there are. 
that they are. It's it's this is what happens when you give them power. That the it, yep. it always starts with something else. It always starts with this is just going to be used against you know anti-vax people. This is just going to be used against freed slaves and natives. This is just going to be used against Al Qaeda. Uh, this is just going to be used against drug kingpins. This is just going to be used against mass murderers. This is just going to be used against child porn. This is just going to be used against these terrible, inexcusable, and un- indefensible things until it's not. We talked about that last week with the the, the yeah, child Apple filter. Yeah, yeah with Apple, yeah. same exact thing. I was going to say nice callback to last week. Yep. Um. So speaking of good John, John Morrissey, just asked, "What is the record longest episode of the show? Are you close tonight? No, no, <laughs> no." <laughs> Oh, that's John! So sweet, that's cute, sweet John. Boy. No. Oh, John. No. Johnny, John. I actually tried to make even, this a short show too. This so isn't even the longest long. episode for this month, John. This no. is uh, this. No, John. John. This uh, we we we've had episodes that were so long that Facebook shut us off because there's a what four hour limit to live four stream? hour limit. Uh, no, no, this is not. <laughs> No, we're just getting YouTube shut us off and then Facebook cut us off like two minutes later. <laughs> uh, Eric JV says hi, Spike. Hi, Eric. Um, yeah, it was like yeah, it was like four. It was four plus hours. We ended up winding down because we're like, well, we're already off Facebook, so let's go ahead and wind it down. Uh, yeah, it was yeah. And then yeah, and then we got kicked off a couple minutes later. And uh, on, yeah, on it was like I think four hours and ten minutes was is the record because we got cut off everywhere. That was so uh, election Sutton. night 2018. Yes, 2018 election night. Brian Sutton says, constant pain from my 1984 military TBI and the resulting depression caused my vitamin D levels to be extremely low. Most of the time I feel like a vampire. Leaving the house in the daylight is very difficult. Well, Brian, first of all, I'm sorry you're going through that. I will say I'm not a doctor. Talk with your medical professional. But there are vitamin D supplements that you can take that are very safe and effective. Um, not sure if they work for you. There might be a counterindication. Definitely talk to uh, your medical professional. But do know there are very good vitamin D supplements. I uh, um, so MS. Uh, the uh, the higher your vitamin D levels are within the safe range, the less likely you are to have relapses and progression. And sure enough, my vitamin D was very very low uh, when they first started tracking it. I now take a, a, a nightly uh, vitamin D supplement, 10,000 international units plus vitamin K2, and my I'm now on the high end of normal uh, or optimal. And uh, it, it, among other things, um, and, and vitamin D is such a crucial building block to uh, your metabolic process. I, I would strongly recommend asking your 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 doctor about, uh, and, and it's over the counter. Like I, I pay, I get the really like expensive stuff. And I think it's like 35, 40 bucks uh, for a 60 pill supply. So, so it's like 15, 20 bucks a month, something like that. Um, and you can get cheaper stuff where it's like a big giant pill, a bottle of it for, um, you know, like 30 bucks. And there's like 180 pills in there. It's, it's really cheap and it's, it's under the, it's over the counter. Um, I, I would talk to your, your medical professional. So, um, yeah, if you're yeah, if they've never mentioned it, go talk, go to like a walk-in and ask them. Like, yeah, honestly, go to like a walk-in. VA. I mean, yeah. I don't have to tell you what the VA is like. Go, go. Even if you have to pay out of pocket just to talk, I just you know I don't know what other things you're on. I don't know if vitamin D is counterindicated for different drugs. I know it's fine for what I take, so I don't want to make. I'm not a doctor. I am Jewish, but I'm not a doctor, and I'm definitely not a lawyer. So, uh, you know, go go speak to a doctor and ask if 
you know, just a regular over-the-counter vitamin D supplement is going to interact with, um, um, is going to interact with anything else you're taking or whatever. Um, so, you know, just, just, uh, you know, check that out because it might help you uh, because by the way, vitamin D, uh, low vitamin D levels can lead to increased, uh, anxiety and depression. Um, it is a very, very crucial pro- part of it, of multiple processes in your, in your body. So it's worth asking about. So update so, on the, on the Tumblr. Uh, yeah. I don't think there was one bid during the Afghanistan segment. Understandably, understandably, understandably. So. Um, so right so now our, the high bid is 300 is 300. Okay. So current, the current high bid is, uh, yes, you're welcome. Uh, hero sphere TCG for the reminder to take your vitamins, take your vitamins folks. If you're taking vitamins, um, so right now the current, the, the current leader is 300. Um, we are going to be starting to wrap the show up. Um, yeah, we'll start in the wrap the show up and the uh, Tumblr one last time. This is an incredible one of a kind opportunity to get a custom made Waffle House Caucus Tumblr made by Defy the Power, signed by me and Matt Wright, uh, and double, double, triple coated. I don't know, multiple times coated in epoxy so that even after you wash it 10,000 times, uh, it will, uh, our, our signatures and the design work will remain. These things are incredibly high quality. It's a 20 ounce tumbler, uh, cold drinks stay cold for 12 out up to 12 hours. Hot drinks stay hot for up to 10 hours. Um, incredible craftsmanship. I, I have a, uh, a defy the power tumbler. Uh, they make them themselves incredible, incredible craftsmanship, really, really great work by them. So, uh, right now it's 300, um, <laughs> Well, no, uh, Sheila Foster. I have to wake up for work at 5 a.m. If I win the mug, let me know 500. But she's the one that has the 300. I guess she... Sheila, before you go, confirm that you just bid 500. I think she just wants to make sure she gets it. Um, Thanks, man. Thanks, Midwest guy. Thank you for, for tuning in. By the yeah. way, just out of care, is that your real, like, that's your real voice? Yeah, that I've been wondering that. I've wanted to ask, but this show wasn't one that we could, like, easily cut away. But, yeah, is that right. your real voice? Because that was a very if, impressive Midwestern so, accent. Good, that, good for you. Good for you. Uh, confirmed for Garrett. Um, 500. Okay, so 500 okay, is uh, okay, the new high bid. Okay, that's awesome. So the awesome. Thank, thank you, Sheila. Five, yeah, thank yeah, thank you, Sheila. And I'm guessing that might remain the high bid. Uh, <laughs> certainly going to give anyone who's watching a uh, a chance to to make a bid higher than five hundred. But other so, than that, I'm thinking so while high. while we are waiting to see if anybody bids higher than that. Yes. Uh, who do you have on tomorrow? Oh, yes. Oh, we've had the Tumblr on the whole time. Um, Oh, wow. That really is Midwest guys. uh, Real. That was a very, very. That was a very, very Midwestern accent. I'm very impressed with you. It was a very Um, Midwestern accent. Extremely Midwestern accent. Uh, So my guest tomorrow is uh, King Randall, who is uh, he is a, I believe, 21 year old Marine vet who started a uh, school 
for uh, boys, for black boys, he's black, and, and he saw a lot of boys that were being underserved. And so he finds, we're going to talk more about it, but he actually finds basically wayward youth um, and adopts them and then teaches them and in this school that he has set up. And he's teaching them, you know, uh, not just, he's teaching them marketable skills. He's teaching them the basics of education. He's teaching them to strive for excellence. He's teaching them he's he's more of i guess like a conservative so he's teaching them like uh traditional values and he's teaching them basically structure um I, I, and and how to how to thrive and prosper and and be outstanding and uh i know what you're thinking that's incredible surely the government of whatever state he's in is helping him nope uh the state of georgia uh has actively tried to stop him uh, he was trying to buy an abandoned school from them, school property from them, and they told him that he could only use it if he used approved public school curriculum and carried it out in in the fashion that their school district calls for, even though it's literally an abandoned school and it's just sitting there lying fallow. Um, so we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna we're gonna talk about it. Yeah, he is a BAMF. He's a. I'm really, really, really excited um to uh to to talk to king tomorrow and then you have uh the uh the writer's block on thursday night who's your guest i do uh, i have kevin khan uh oh, he yes. ran for u.s house in ohio's first congressional district yes. um and he lost in the general election on november 3rd um so i'm excited to get him on find out what he's been doing since the election uh you apparently know who he is um and you seem to like him a whole lot. Yes, he's a super cool guy. He is the guy that set up the um, the uh, relationship, the ongoing relationship with libertarians in Ohio and both the Heartbeat Movement, which is a police accountability movement, and Accountability Now Ohio, which is a group seeking to end qualified immunity. I'm actually going to be speaking at their event on this coming Sunday. He's the one that has – he and, and Chrissy Wickers are the two main people that have been working to, to foster that relationship. And there are many others uh, – um, um, Jimmy and, and Connie have been have been a part of all the different events going on there as well. Uh, a lot of Ohio and surrounding libertarians have been involved, but Kevin Kahn has been probably the single biggest person involved in that moving forward. So he's a, he's a great guy. I love working with him. So yeah, looking yes, forward he, to having him on on Thursday. And then on Friday, there will be a brand new episode of Cajun and Eskimo from Bayous to Igloos. And then on Monday, because we have different Sabbaths, so we take the weekend off. Um, yes. Well, this weekend I'll be in Ohio for the uh, Libertarian Party of Ohio Conference. Check that out if you're anywhere near Columbus, Ohio. Come on out and, and be a part of it and come meet me. And I'll be speaking on Sunday at the Accountability Now Ohio event. Uh, and I'll also be doing an escape room. That'll all be on my social media very soon. And then on Monday... A brand new episode of the bearded Mr. America, the bearded truth with Jason Lyon. Yes. Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock Eastern. And, and then I on think, Tuesday, I what? think I don't want anybody to quote me on this, but I, I believe that on Monday, Jason has a guest who's not a real libertarian and they're going to be talking oh. about gun rights. Oh, nice. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. Yeah, and then on that'll Tuesday, be a good episode. yeah, that will be a good episode. So then on Tuesday, uh, 
in the morning if you live near montgomery alabama come out to the rally for justice i will be there vermin supreme will be there uh jonathan reels will be there portia shepherd will be there uh, a lot of incredible uh libertarians in alabama and across the country will be there in montgomery uh that the information will be on all of this is on spikecohen.com by the way but uh come in and, and join me there and then tuesday night Right back here, same muddy place, same muddy time. Another brand spanking magnificent episode of the Muddy Waters of Freedom where Matt Wright and I parse through the week's events like the sweet little chipper little monkeys that we are. And hopefully the news will be less devastating next week than it was this week because my God. This was the worst notes that I've had to do in a long this time. Bad. This was bad. This was bad. This sucked. This one, yeah, this one was not this was bad. fun. This was bad. So um, we're going to go ahead and close out. Going once, going twice. Sold uh, the Tumblr uh, to Sheila um, for... Uh, for uh, Sheila Foster. For five, yeah, Sheila Foster for 500. We will be getting in touch with you, Sheila. Congratulations. You will be getting this incredible one-of-a-kind Tumblr. Uh, and we are really, really, really 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 appreciative to you and uh and as is divide the power uh matt if we uh if people are gonna try to like i don't know find out about muddy waters media and watch our shows on the internet is that even possible and if so how it is possible uh all one would have to do if you're one of those old school people who really enjoy the soulful dulcet tones of our voices is head on over to anchor.fm slash muddied waters Hi, everybody. Oh, you betcha. That's my Midwestern accent. Oh, you betcha. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you betcha. Oh, no. If you all want to donate to us, I can't whisper into a Midwestern accent. That's really difficult. Oh, you can give us some money. Yeah. <laughs> you can You can donate at anchor.fm slash muddied waters or like like midwest guy you can leave us messages that we will play live oh on the air already oh i didn't know that was gonna gonna do that don't you know oh don't you know don't you know don't you know you could be a part of this show don't you know oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh you could and you could also make donations of money to us, yeah. You can there's a donate button and you can press it over right there. You can you can go up up and press the button and go up and then you can you can make donations to us and then we look at our bank account and we go up look at all the money there, yeah. Yeah. Now you don't have to leave us messages, but you oofta, yeah, oofta. Oofta, you don't have to to leave us you have to give us money, but we'd like you more if you do. You want to be liked by us? And we'll put you in the outro to say thank you. Thank you for your donation yeah. there. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Or you can find this in every other episode at muddiedwatersmedia.com. That was a very creepy way to end this terrible episode. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy that that's how it happened because God. So, folks, thanks again for tuning into this episode. Um, it wasn't a fun Both subject. None of them were. It wasn't. They were no. another. Yeah, those weren't fun, but you were fun to hang out with. And, and congratulations to Sheila. And uh, we will see you tomorrow on My Fellow Americans and then the following day on 
the writer's block and everything else. And uh, we will see you here next week. Thank you so much. And where we're going. We don't need roads.